Welcome to the Sober Podcast, part of the Soberverse, created by the team at the Sober Network. The Sober Network has engaged in revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy. We offer fresh ideas to an industry that has relied on dated interventions. We are responsive to a new generation of substance users who are attached to their phones so we can impact massive social change. Our unmatched technology displays solutions of our various brands, demonstrating a thorough understanding of how we get things done. We are proving that technology, along with incentivized human accountability, provides measurable and positive outcomes. Visit us at SoberNetwork.com. Welcome to the Sober Podcast, part of the Soberverse brought to you by Sober Network. I am your host, Jamie Brickhouse, and I am tickled rainbow since this is uh, June Pride Month to have Scott Alexander Hess as our guest today. Um, I just know him as Scott Hess, but that's the full um, the full Monty Scott Alexander Hess. That's how he's known as a writer. And he, in fact, he's a majorly prolific writer. He's an established author who has written six, count them, six novels, co-wrote uh, a short film and many other um, many other projects that we may talk about. And as I said, it's Pride Month. And so I'm thrilled to be kicking it off uh, with Scott Hess in a series of LGBTQ guests this month. Thank you for joining us on the show today, Hi. Scott. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, we're glad to have you on. So let's just jump right in and tell our listeners who you are and how you got here and how long you've been sober. Okie dokie. Um, let's see. I've been sober 29 years in April. Oh, I forgot that was that was your a long time sober now. Yeah. Size is my waist. And um uh how I you mean what how I what do you want me to tell you about first? Like, uh, yeah, just what what got what got you sober, um, and what brought you to the sober life, to the sober life and the sober writing life. Um, well, um, girl was a mess. Um, <laughs> weren't we all? <laughs> weren't we all, sister? Um, I don't know. I mean, definitely, it was a miracle. It was grace. It was a moment that allowed me to uh, put down the drink because I started drinking long ago. I think I told you I read Valley of the Dolls in grade school and I was just <laughs> raring to go. I went to be Neil O'Hara. I was 
and I started drinking and drugging very early. So, um, I, you know, that was going to be it for me. Um, but I just want to interrupt one second to let um, just to inform some of our listeners who may not know that Valley of the Dolls is a very campy, um, huge bestselling novel from the 60s by Jacqueline Suzanne made into a campy movie uh that has a big gay, gay following and uh, um, especially among gay men and a lot of and one of the characters he mentioned neely o'hara is a huge um alcoholic and pill popping mess yeah. um, so. <laughs> she takes dolls yes dolls. I use dolls are the, yes dolls are the are the um uh are the are the are the nickname for pills absolutely i mentioned books like that i teach fiction writing and i mentioned books like that blank stares because a lot of 20-year-old, even 30-year-old students and um, will have no idea. So, um, but so, yeah, I mean, basically I got, came to New York. I was a writer. I was a screenwriter. I was an actress. I was everything. And I had a good long bottoming out period. Um, and then after my 30th birthday, when they told me it was a great party, but I have no idea. I was mm. in a, I had horrible fashion sense. I was in like a jumpsuit with a borrowed belt and cheap pearls and bleached, horribly bleached hair. <laughs> and um, I passed out on a lawn chair, I think. And the next day they said, oh, it was a great party. Um, but soon after that, I did come in, I surrendered. And I really didn't think I would stick around or anything would get better. But, um, I, you know, that was the miracle that one day. I went a day without a drink and I went to a meeting and I met great people and, and it took, and then, woo, the roller coaster ride began. Fantastic. And How long have you been um, a writer? How long have you been writing uh, or seriously, you know, consider yourself a writer and in recovery? Well, I, wrote, even before. yeah, I wrote as a child, I made films. I, I was always creative. I did. I wrote my first little novel, um, my mother, who recently passed, um, was such a supporter. And it was called The Witch's Wall. And I was like nine years old and a little scary book, because back then I also loved people like Richard Matheson, who wrote I Am Legend and um, other horror books. And I asked her to type it up, but I wanted her to type it on little pages that were the size of a novel. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'll type this, but we're not going to cut little pages out. It's going to be a regular piece of paper. <laughs> there are limits your mother said yeah that was it but so but I mean recovery um changed my life as a writer immensely you know I in my 20s I wrote some short stories and I would get a rejection and I would drink and I would cry and mm -hmm. you know I could only find so much depth within myself because it was, <laughs> it was so soggy in there um <laughs> but in recovery um my writing, well, myself, my inner self, my soul, who I am, my interaction with people, my connections all began to bloom. So then my writing began to bloom. And um, it a while into recovery, let's see, it's like 2007, I went back to get my MFA at the new school and just explore what it meant to be a writer. Yeah, and that was when I really discovered the form of the novel. Uh, we read a novel a week. We I really bloomed as a creative person and found I loved the form of the novel. I love prose. I read Cormac McCarthy, all these people. And um, 
started to find out what it meant to, to write a book and experience it. And um, a teacher, Helen Schulman, who's a great writer and teacher, um, she said, well, if you're not crying when you write it, the reader's not going to be crying when they read it. Right. Uh, you know, it's, you just don't fake it. You've got to put everything you've got onto the page and then your reader is going to connect, you know, for the kind of writing I wanted to do, I wanted to do literary LGBTQ, you know, I, all these hoops I wanted to jump through. So that's, that's how I started. Well, I love how you started. And does um, alcoholism and or addiction uh, uh, show up in your novels? Um. Well, you know, it, yeah, it did. It did in this way. My first novel was called Diary of a Sex Addict, mm-hmm. uh, which came out in 2011. Well, there and you go. It, <laughs> yeah. There's addiction right in the title. <laughs> um, it, well, it did. It, it was up on the cover. <laughs> what I did with that was, um, now, I don't really write a lot about drugs and alcohol, or alcohol, let's say, mm-hmm. Um but I, I was influenced by Brett Easton Ellis, the Marquis de Sade, and I wanted to write a book that was so, what was literary, but also really pushed the envelope and just where I like threw it all out there. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to use um, alcohol and drugs. I wanted to use something more intense. So I was single and I've been running around New York. So I knew there were all these, well, I knew about sex addiction as they called it and about all this opportunity and that was early grinder and that was club and that. So I thought, let me instead give this character, this young man, um, this absolutely compulsive sexual addiction that, um, and it's a blizzard in New York. And there's, it's like a month in his life when he's, I say, you know, seeking to fill the black hole and, um, it just goes through all of these escapades and searching, searching and all this, also meets all sorts of strange different people. So I went that route mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it kind of gave me something to hang on to and to get really gritty with. Yeah. So, and that was the first book that I had written a book prior to that, that didn't um, sell and wasn't, pub- it was published later, but, um, and that was the first one that was published and it did well. And, um, and it was, you know, I really did get really honest in that, like emotionally um, and wanted to go high stakes with like what it means to be a, oh gosh, you know, a segment of that was published in this book called Leaving the Rest, like a collection of sober writing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Leslie Smith put it out and um, it was a nice collection, but people were kind of appalled by my chapter because- you know, it was pornographic. Well, and, then I'm, then I, I, I have to, I, I think all of our readers should jump right to that. Exactly. But um, ultimately it was about, you know, his crushed soul. It was about, it was very sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it turns around in the end, but um, yeah, so that I, I took that. And then uh, another book, um, Scott, I write historical fiction, but I also, I, I jump in and do some modern writing. Yeah. And my other book, which had a new edition come out this month, uh, Skyscraper, I was, was when I fell in love. And, but I wanted to explore like the obsessive kind of crazy nature of first love. 
So again, I p- picked a really edgy element, the SM world, mm-hmm. and had this kind of down on his luck architect meet this muse who got him into SM. And so it becomes about this obsessive relationship. Um, so that was that was another thing where I explored obsession. Yeah, you you always you always go for really good, um, juicy uh, um, plots and relationships, which yeah. I love about your books. And has um, have any of the the practices of whatever sober program you follow? Do they um, do they help you with your with your writing discipline? Yes. Yeah. I had no discipline. So, um, that yes, they, they absolutely, um, when I cleared up, you know, after 10 years, I was a very long, slow sister. Um, but when I cleared up, then I could read a novel. I could, you know, to, to, I believe to write well, you have to read a lot. And so, it taught me concentration to read, to pause, to meditate, to listen, um, and to listen to my inner self. And then, you know, I do daily meetings. Um, so just a daily routine of, um, I'm a writer who doesn't have to write for hours at a time or, mm-hmm. but I do the, the novel lives within me. So I can right now I'm in a routine where I do like 30 minutes a day. Um, And I make sure to fit that in no matter what's going on in my world. And so disciplines like that come right out of recovery because. Well, kind of like, kind of like if you go to meetings, if that's part of your program, then uh, right. Where you, where you make the commitment that I'm going to go to X amount of meetings a week or one a day or something like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm a meeting. It's like you're doing, you're doing that as well with your writing, that kind of commitment. It's kind of, and then showing just, up for yourself is what it is. Yeah. Becomes part of my DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, stick with us. We're going to break for a quick commercial break. And then we will be back talking to uh, writer Scott Hess. Be back in just a minute. The Sober Podcast is now part of the Soberverse. It is another innovative solution developed by the Sober Network. The Sober Podcast is giving a voice to recovery. For more information about this and all the other parts of the Soberverse, visit us at thesoberverse.com, thesobernetwork.com, sober.com, sobersystems.com, soberpodcast.com, sobercoin.io, and recoverycoaches.com. And we are back talking to Scott Hess. Um, Scott, in honor of Pride Month, you're the curator of Hot Lit. Well, I mean, you're the curator of Hot Lit all the time. But um, uh, but I, I know that uh, you're doing a, a lot with, with Hot Lit um, for this LGBTQ-themed monthly newsletter. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. And, and do you include recovery or addiction-related topics in there? Um, I, it is a, I like to focus on other authors, other writers. I mean, the way it relates to recovery is I I actually learned this through being in recovery because I used to get resentful when another writer would succeed and I wasn't. Yeah. So way to get around that was I just relate to that no matter what your 
profession is. <laughs> I decided, well, I'm going to write about those people and promote them. Um, I'm going to get, I'm going to go the other direction. So when someone has, oh, I love that. I'm going to bite my tongue and reach out to them and say, that is great. Tell me about it. And then that morphed into where I started doing a monthly newsletter because people love when you ask about their work. They love when you feature them. They love, you know, famous people and, and beginners, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, so it, it, I do filmmakers, um, like Bruce LaBruce, I recently did filmmakers, painters, um, a lot of authors and writers, fabulous people like you, Jamie Brickhouse. Oh my God. Are you a Chanteuse? Because you just <laughs> do it all. You do it all. Um, and it, it, so it did come from, I don't focus on um, that the artists are in recovery, but the, the concept of like love and service and well, really getting out of myself, you know, and saying, I mean, how uncomfortable it is to sit around in a resentment, you know, smoking and staring at the screen. Um, it became so much more fun to start to write about the people who had success because it makes them happy. Yeah. And then I get my resentment and it's like, oh, look at that. They're so excited. And then when someone marvelous like you asked me on a show, I'm like, oh, now I get to feel happy. You know, <laughs> so that that's how that. Um, I used to write more, well, I wrote for Huffington Post and I used to feature people a lot. And then I just churned it into my own. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I started. That's how the Huffington Post thing began because I wanted to write about other people um, to get out of myself. That's uh, exactly, which is another thing about uh, another uh, practice of sobriety is getting out of ourselves. Right. So doing service, which, you know, you are. Um, through, through hot lit. Um, and, you know, it's funny, uh, uh, some of the things you talked about there, you know, I've been in writing, writing workshops off and on for the last uh, 10 or so years. And, um, and I love it um, because I love, you know, it gives me deadlines and I have to show up with work, you know, but for the most part, I'm kind of in it for selfish reasons because I want to get my work done and I want to get feedback from other people. And, you know, and ostensibly when I start the each new workshop, I'm like, oh, I'm not that interested in their work. But I find myself, I, I love being able to give feedback to another person and to be able to give back the way they're giving back to me. And also I learn, even if they're, even if they're writing something that maybe is not my taste. Um, so therefore I would probably never buy the book or, or read it, but then, um, but then I, through that workshop, I read something I would normally read and I, and I learn from it, you know, yeah. learn either whatever the, whatever they're writing about, but also learn about writing, um, uh, successes and failures as well. Yeah. Now I learned so much from teaching, um, my writer's workshop, reading books, um, because what, if something works really well, I pause and say, how did they do it? And if something's not working at all, I stop and say, what's going on here? You know, and it's all the elements of crap and the plot, the structure, the this, the that, the character. Um, and I do so much of it because I have private students, I have classes, I have my writing group. I'm constantly looking at other people's work and talking about it with them. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's always enriching my own life because I'm always like, I 
recently went through a Shirley Jackson stint where I read a bunch of her work and she's so good with like internal psychology of characters. And I just look through it and I'm like, how in the world does she do that? And then when I work with students or other people, it's like, we talk about that. We say, well, how do we get humanity on the page? Um, And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's a work in progress and learning that, but. um, Well, you do it well. Thank you. And all of our listeners should check out your books, which you're going to talk about. We're going to point out at the, at the end of this. um, So everyone stick with us, but. Uh, a question I ask almost all of our guests on here is what's the most difficult struggle you've overcome and you've been sober a long time um, Mm -hmm. while in, while in sobriety and how did you overcome it? While in sobriety. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, darling. um, I mean, you know, I think what sticks out is emotional pain. Um, Mm -hmm. I overcame a lot, you know, I mean, ego and things like that, but um, I had a relationship that ended, now the gift, because there's always a gift, honey, um, was it cracked open my heart. For years, I literally cried. I would go to qualify uh-huh. And I would cry through the whole call qualification. Oh. I would walk down the street. My best friend, Enrique Chisa, you probably know Enrique. I remember I got a cat because I thought the cat would make me happy. And I was standing on the street. I had taken the cat back and I was weeping. He's like, honey, what's wrong? I'm like, that cat just stared at me. And so, <laughs> but that, that the pain of that kind of cracked open my soul. So I was able to feel again Mm. Uh, and it was very painful. Now I'm friends with that person and I've moved on. I'm married. I have a husband I love and, you know, it's all worked out, but early on this thing had ended and it shook. I didn't have um, booze and dope or drugs and alcohol to get through it. I was feeling everything. And, um, and I literally cracked open and cried because I had not, um, cried much at all in my life. I hadn't felt much of anything. So that was a couple of years. And it, I was like my friend, Athena, I was like, Oh, you're my weeping sponsor because I could weep. She, she liked to cry too. And she'd be like, Oh, good. Tell me about it. So that was a big thing that I was able to break through and, um, go through and then Mm -hmm. look back and say, Hey, I got through that sober and I got through that and I learned from it too. And it, right, exactly. Um, I, I love that that you had to go through something that painful, but the gift was, you know, you got your feelings. Right? Yeah, right. yeah, that's fantastic. Well, listen, I want to um, highlight a few things about you for our listeners. Um, as I said, your Scott is the author of six novels, including Skyscraper, which he was talking about earlier, which was a, a Lambda, which is a Lambda Literary Award finalist. And The Butcher Sons, which was named a Kirkus uh, Reviews Best Book of 2015. Um, his latest fiction is a pair of novellas, The Root of Everything, uh, a book that I loved uh, so much that um, that I uh, gave Scott an endorsement for it. Um, everyone should read that. And Lightning um, was named a Best Book of 2021 and by the St. Louis, uh, Best Book of 2021 by the St. Louis Librarians. Um, and he's written for a, a lot of places and um, 
And as I said, he currently um, uh, is a creator and curator of Hot Lit, uh, which is an LGBTQ themed newsletter, literary newsletter. And Scott, where can people find you if you want to be found? Um, you can find me, well, scottalexanderhess.com. Mm-hmm. Go to scottalexanderhess.com. It has my books. It has the hot lit. You could sign up. Um, also, I Scott Alexander Hess, you could just Google that and I will pop up because that's why I use the Alexander. Um, yeah. Because I, I did a search and there was all these other Scott Hesses, but when you put in Scott Alexander Hess, poof, there I am. Oh, and that's yours. You're the only Scott Hess I want to hear about. <laughs> yes, it's all there. And also read the books, definitely. And I love to hear from readers. And also I love to feature other artists. So um, you can always reach out to me and say, hey, put me in your hot list. Um, cause I love that too. I love to discover new writers, new artists and write about them. Wonderful. Well, it has been so fantastic talking to you about sobriety and writing and crying and, uh, gay pride months. Um, right. so much juiciness in just what, 25 minutes. I don't know. We can Lord in heaven. Um, you know how to find Scott now. I'm Jamie Brickhouse, your host. You can find me at jamiebrickhouse.com, which leads you to all kinds of things, my 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 books, my shows, etc. Oh, and I just finished a run at the Orlando Fringe Festival in May, but one of those performances was recorded and you can um, see it uh, digital pay-per-view now through June 17th. If you just go to jamiebrickhouse.com, it'll you can it'll tell you how to get tickets. But basically, you it's a ten dollar ticket, and you can view it as many times as you want. Um, and through June seventeenth, and uh, I'm also on TikTok where I tell true stories every day wearing high heels. Jamie underscore Brickhouse is my handle, so follow me there. Again, Scott, thank you for joining of us. Of course, I loved it. Thank and you. And I will um, can't wait to read more of your work. And I am Jamie Brickhouse signing out from the Sober Podcast. We will be back with another show next week. I promise. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sober Podcast. We hope it has been as good for you as it was for us. Please share our show with all of your friends, family, acquaintances, and future encounters so that we can grow our show and make our mission a larger reality. We have a growing social media presence on all platforms, so find us and like us, especially Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are listed on all the major podcast directories, such as Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Thank you all who make this show happen. How we are host, carry our producer, and our sponsor, The Sober Network. 